0: We acknowledge and respect the first humans of the unceded land we call San Francisco, the Ohlone. We condemn the genocide of these and other tribes across the Western Hemisphere. We honor their legacy and history, and we support rematriation and sovereignty efforts. Hello, and welcome to Storied San Francisco. I'm your host, Jeff Hunt. This episode is all about Other Avenues Grocery Cooperative. It'll be the first in a little series we've wanted to do for some time now on San Francisco co-ops. I had the pleasure of sitting down and talking with Celia Libuano-Gonzalez, one of about 18 worker owners at Other Avenues, which is located at 3930 Judah in the Outer Sunset my conversation with Celia is one of my favorites in a while not only for this podcast but just in life this is part one of two with other avenues Here's Celia
1: I'm Celia Lobono Gonzalez and I'm a worker owner at other
0: avenues let's just start quickly with your story where you're from yeah how long you've been involved here definitely
1: well I'm from the city actually I was born here um, uh, I moved to Davis, California when I was eight years old. Okay. And then um, when I turned 18, I moved back to, to San Francisco because mm-hmm. this is where my heart is mm-hmm. <laughs> and went to college at SF State. Okay. And I studied geography with an emphasis in food systems and also communications. Okay. Different okay. than communications, but overlapping in many ways. I, I did participate in the radio uh, program oh. at SF State because my friend had, was doing the class. So that I was I
0: have fun to too. ask him when you were there because I went there as well.
1: I was there for a while, too. <laughs> Oh. 2011 to 2017.
0: Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, that's not unusual. Yeah, I don't no, think you Definitely should. not. Yeah. And
1: I was in student government and I was like a big oh. student organizer and nice. I did a lot of different campaigning on food system issues there. Um, like uh, stopping Pepsi and Coke from coming to campus mm-hmm. and becoming a pouring mm-hmm. right school, um, and just like overall looking at the food system on campus. Nice. Before I was like or organizing at a state, um, I also was leading the march against Monsanto mm-hmm. in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So thank I've you for kinda, that. Yeah, traced you know food system issues probably starting in 2013 or 2012. 2013 is when I really started getting involved. Okay. Um, and it, it led me all the way to here, which is exciting, um, and a number of other things that I'm also involved in. But um, yeah, once I was kind of done at SF State, I you know lived in the neighborhood, mm. and I shopped here not like you know all, all the time, but
0: not uh, exclusively. Yeah, okay. yeah.
1: And um, my partner saw that they were hiring, and I was like, well, sure, let's do it. So I applied, and they called me back within like five minutes. Oh, nice. <laughs> And so I went through the interview process and And
0: that what year was that?
1: Twenty eighteen, I believe.
0: Eighteen. So you've been here yes. about four years. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Awesome. It's hard to tell. Pandemic and everything. Time is so weird, but correct. But yes, yes. Since 2018, I think since the summer of
0: 2018.
1: Can I ask
0: mm-hmm. um, what brought your family to Davis? Because I feel like that this could be part of your story. Sure.
1: Well, it was more so that my mom was working for Caltrans in Oakland. Oh, okay. And she was over it, and then she yeah. decided to try like a private sector job, mm-hmm. and so it was in Sacramento, and so mm-hmm. we moved to Davis course then the, the economic the economy like went down and that uh that company went out of business. Mm-hmm. And so we could we could have we basically moved to Davis for nothing because we oh, <laughs> no. she went back to work in Caltrans okay. in Oakland. But oh, okay. I also, you know, appreciate my time there. I actually um started working at the farmers market when mm-hmm. I was like in high school mm-hmm. and so that also really got me into the food system and I um through those work, like working there at a bakery, mm. I also got a job um, working for the Bolani folks mm. that allowed me to move to San Francisco, okay. you know get a job immediately through my food system connection. so yeah, yeah. so
0: it is <laughs> it is a big part of your story, Davis, but not necessarily or not directly the school. That's what yeah, I know yeah, yeah, yeah okay.
1: yeah, yeah no yeah. I just went to like part of elementary school, middle school and high school there.
0: Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but um, as you definitely described, I would say thinking about food systems and mm-hmm. food ways and all this, you know, from the soil all the way yeah. to the market has been part of your life for Most a while. Definitely,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've learned so much, like in different spaces, you know. Mm-hmm. That's all been weaved together. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it so it was really cool to be able to get a job here and sort of. Uh, apply you know have the agency and to apply all of that knowledge my food system knowledge also like community you know engagement um, and yeah it's it's been really cool it's you know definitely a challenge here as well just, Dealing with the food system through like a very small corner of the (laughs) the world, but um, the edge of the world, yeah, (laughs) literally (laughs) the other avenues of the world. (laughs) Right.
0: Right. So um, you said you you already kind of shopped here a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, How much of you know, the history of the place, did you already know before you started?
1: Right. Yeah. I, I actually did not know the history of this place until I was applying and did my research.
0: OK. Um,
1: I knew that it was worker owned, but I hadn't necessarily engaged with co-ops, worker owned co-ops, um, really intimately until nearing the end of my time at SFC. Um, I also got connected with COFED, the cooperative empowerment food directive okay. um and they did like a co-op summer institute mm-hmm. for eight mm-hmm. days where we you know huddled with a lot of cool folks and talk about you know radical economies mm-hmm. and um racial justice and like alternative um w- worker models just work around co-ops and the idea with that yeah exactly <laughs>
0: If you if you look it's all yeah. connected, right. Yeah.
1: yeah. And so we did a field trip to other avenues, which was funny because then, you know, not too many months later I here. There you
0: <laughs> here, are. You you're know. like, I can't get away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, do, I think that does speak to sort of your you know, your story and and how it evolved and in and, and here you are. Um yeah. so how did it come or how did it happen that you're you were the person who when we just kind of like sent out, cast a an yeah. net out, and that you responded. Like, do, do you have a specific yeah. role here? Does anyone have specific it's, roles? Or? No,
1: I mean, well, yes and no. So okay. we, we have, you know, we um, we all share pretty much in everything, right? We mm-hmm. share in the shift work, so everyone has, you know, some kind of role, like, on the floor, cashiering or restocking or, you know, taking turns running the retail floor. Um, we all have roles in buying as buyers for oh, different okay. departments. Okay. Um but we're all in different departments. Some departments have more than one buyer, you know. Some are like two, right. you know. Um, and then we also share in administrative work. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I am starting to do payroll now. I do a lot of the, you know, the promo stuff, the marketing, the oh, billboards. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and there's different committees we have. You know, we have like a DI committee, we have like a refrigeration committee, store mm. improvements, like a lot of different things. So everyone shares in that as well and whatever mm. they feel called to. Okay. Um, and but i have um been excited too by events and you know doing promoting co-ops and talking to people about co-ops and you know what kind of resource or tool they have to offer um shanta nimbark sakharov who maybe you've heard of she is like a big part of other avenues she no longer works here but she visits us and cooks us meals and you know she is like a legacy of of, of other avenues and so i've um you know become really close with her and learned a lot from her and her and i have um, participated in doing different uh events talking about other avenues talking about co-ops in the bay area we Mm -hmm. recently did a little uh workshop with the sf public library and the oakland public library um so now that the pandemic is like still around but doing something you know it's (laughs) (laughs) hovering but with a little bit of more space we've been a little more active um and kicked up also our community events here at other avenues we started doing some in-person activities
0: cool we can talk about that later yeah um so can you sort of go over the history of this place i know it dates back you know almost a half a century now yeah it's slightly younger than i am (laughs) But, um, you know, it's not like this place just kind of popped up overnight. No. Or um, it's definitely here now. And also, congratulations on surviving the pandemic, because that yeah. wasn't a given that a few years open. ago um so yeah can, can you can you go over the, the history and whatever yeah. whatever amount of detail you'd like sure
1: yeah so the, the history is so interesting because you know uh not a lot of it is like written down per se <laughs> you know so i'm still learning you know all these bits and pieces and how it was all connected you know and different things but It's lore. Yeah, it really is. is, So I I, I might be getting things wrong, but, you know, this this is the best I got so far. no
0: journalism (laughs) here. I'm sure
1: people have different (laughs) perspectives as well. But for my understanding, like, a lot of it goes back to, you know, like, even like the summer of 69, you know, people are starting to arrive in San Francisco. And there's people that are hungry, you know, we have to eat food. And there was... um, you know, neighborhood folks and hate specifically, who were um, making relationships with local organic farmers mm-hmm. and, um, and and farm workers, and um, you know, connecting the pieces around food access mm-hmm. and how do people get fed? How do we have nourishing food? You know, that's by the people, like for the people. You know, that oh, was yeah. kind of the motto. Right. Um and. So, they were able to put together like this neighborhood buying club. Okay. Um, but then they were like, well, if we're the only one doing this, then we're only just replicating this inequity, you know, this right. lack of access. So, right. that was kind of what spilled into what was known as the food conspiracy. Okay and that was yeah in the 60s and early 70s um where there was this amazing movement of community members neighborhoods organizing themselves in you know uh in food buying clubs mm-hmm. so uh, you know, coalesced group in a block or something Mm -hmm. would get together once a week and they would share a meal. They would place orders, you know, pick up the food that was delivered and Mm -hmm. place orders for the next week Mm -hmm. of, you know, the supplies that they would need. And they had it all organized, just people to people. And, you know, their slogan was, if you can't walk to food conspiracy, it's time to start another food conspiracy. So these were just propping up all over the place mm. um and it was a beautiful thing and who were
0: they buying from or yeah, i guess who all
1: right i think that exactly who i can't answer <laughs>
0: but, but g- you know, generally
1: yeah i would say like local producers in and around the bay area okay. and even going up you know the coastline okay um my dad actually i remember he told me he worked um Trucking organic produce mm. up and down the coast, like from Oregon yeah. um, down to California and back. Yeah, right. um, but so in the like early '70s, also there was kind of an economic shift and a wave of evictions that kind of disrupted and uprooted a little bit of these like community neighborhood buying clubs.
0: Mm-hmm. Were they sort of all over the Bay Area? Yeah, from my understanding, okay. Okay. you
1: know, they kind of spread. Mostly in San Francisco, but I think way past, you know, into the East Bay in different ways. Right, that Um, makes sense. And so, yeah, so after that kind of um, disruption, there was definitely a need to transform the way that it was working into more of like a brick and mortar situation. Okay. And so that's where the people's food system was born Mm -hmm. out of, and that's where Other Avenues comes in. Okay. So Other Avenues... um, Rainbow Grocery, Veritable Vegetable, mm-hmm. which is a distribution, right. and many other uh, worker owned co ops that sadly no longer exist anymore. Many don't. Um, but some do. But do. have been you know, replaced, you know, by other worker owned co ops in right. a way. Um, we're, we're we're working together at that point, mm-hmm. um, to, you know, all food things. So it was like food co ops, like uh stores, distribution, warehouses, chef buying clubs, mm. like you name it. Everybody mm-hmm. had a role and they also were putting a lot of effort into, you know, governing themselves in a radical, mm. you know, democratic way. Right,
0: just rethinking yeah. All the systems top to bottom. Right. And yeah. trying
1: to form Including the top to bottom
0: systems. Like right. Hi- like hierarchies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's rethink that.
1: And so when we started, we actually were completely volunteer-ran. So okay. a lot of, you know, these systems uh, relied on volunteers. Mm-hmm. And w- originally we were across the street, like, not just like next to where Trouble Coffee was okay. or something. Um, but... Uh, Not long, I think we moved over into this building and got the other side of the building. I wonder
0: if Celia's is already there. Because yeah, that would be really, that would be like a, quite a contrast. I love yeah. Celia's, but I'm like, yeah. boom, that's way different. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs>
0: anyway.
1: um, but I know that, um, but I know that like it was not uncommon for there to be like signs on the window that said, sorry, we couldn't open up today. Right. You know, our volunteers didn't show up. The messiness <laughs> of
0: doing things you that know? way. Yeah. Which also I think speaks to like the artificiality of always open. Right. Someone's probably suffering, right? If that's exactly. the case, right?
1: Yeah, you know, or being
0: overworked, or yeah, or, potentially, um, ex- you know, ex- exploited
1: if you don't have a good system where the workers are able to create boundaries for themselves, Correct, <laughs> you Correct. Know? Correct. Very important, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that so eventually, um, the co op, after you know, running volunteer for a while, it became a hybrid, because the community, this is like a community store, right? Mm. Like the community, without the community, we wouldn't be here, right. you know, um, in many different ways. And it transitioned into like a hybrid. Worker-owned but community-owned kind of like consumer-owned model of sorts, like where,
0: a membership kind of thing, or yeah, okay. yeah, like
1: p- the shoppers had um, you know a role in decision making.
0: Oh, okay, you know, right um,
1: to a certain extent. And I don't exactly know how that all functioned, you know, meeting-wise and things like that. Mm-hmm. But um, it was a kind of a hybrid situation, and okay. I think that was. um I should get that date correctly. Nineteen. 89 I believe. Oh okay. So 74 we opened.
0: The doors opened in 74 so about yeah. 15 or so l- years, 1987, later, bad. years yeah, later. 1987 my 13 years. Yeah 1987
1: became a hybrid consumer co-op and in 1999 we became uh, a worker owned co-op.
0: Worker owned. Yeah. So, so that model the hybrid model was experimented with for roughly a decade or so yeah. and then yeah. do you know the decision making behind Yeah,
1: I don't know all the details, but I think that ultimately, you know, you know, power dynamics is a thing that always has to be like watched. And I would say that there's still even some power dynamics, you know, that you know you have to name them, you know, like (laughs) and work through them. Right. Um, but I don't. I mean, this is just me making assumptions here. You know, fully. Like, I'm assuming that that. You know, model like because of the way the store was originally ran as like volunteers and the people who are like really doing the work, you know like i I would say that the store was always ran with a worker owned mm. kind of mindset, you right. know um but um, but yes, yeah, so I think just by that time it probably made sense to fully move into a worker-owned, even though the community, like, is still part of the community, you know? Right. Like, you know, the, honestly, there's been times where we almost had to close the doors mm. and, the community, like, had loans we were able to take and oh, wow. pay them back even before they were due. Um, we were able to buy the building. Um, oh, nice. Because of that, we were still paying the bank. That you know, but, huge. but, you know, in, in theory. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and even before that, uh, one of the, like, the volunteers who worked here had bought the building um, when it was going to be sold to an architect who wanted to, like, double the rent. Oh, wow. And, but the, the way that the rent, was structured was like a percentage of sales so we always oh. knew that we would be able to pay the rent
0: okay um
1: because it was relative to how much income we were having
0: Right, which is
1: great yeah system. that's important <laughs> so there's always been a community effort you know around how things have been working and mm-hmm. then um i don't know what year we like officially bought the building but
0: That's okay. Yeah. But the model of worker ownership, Mm -hmm. uh, which you said 99 or so, I mean, that's right around half of the entire life of the store. So Mm -hmm. I think it's significant that of all the different things that have been tried, this is the one that has at least up to now has stuck right.
1: right yeah and i mean i think it it shows you know so we're worker owned we there's currently right now 18 of us um we consolidated we were like 19 when i started we, we may go back to 19 you know
0: did two people become one Be- basically one person left
1: and we were like oh sales are down after the pandemic like maybe we can tighten up a little bit you know mm-hmm. um but, you know, we also have people on parental leave now. Like, things, it's an ebb and flow, you know? You don't want sure. people to get burnt out. Sure. But you also want um, there to be enough resources to go around so people can, right. you know, raise their families and do things that they wish to do. Um, Live yeah. their lives. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> well, for yeah. me, um, another sort of theme here or idea is that this is not radical.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, a, mm-hmm. a lot of people might not think about these things they go to work they shop um but the idea of any any business this can be replicated like this is and this is like uh other avenues there are other examples as well um show that this is not far-fetched
1: right i mean yeah and there's some great resources for transitioning Uh, Workplaces. I would say the U.S. Federation of Worker Co-ops has a lot of great resources that they're expanding to support uh, businesses in transitioning into worker-owned.
0: Awesome. Um,
1: And, yeah, I mean, I think worker-owned, you know, to a certain extent, you know, even makes unions obsolete. You know, Mm. arguably, there's there's different types of unions and there's different ways to weave it all together. But if you're not negotiating with a boss, you're negotiating with each other. other, It's
0: already kind of built in. Exactly.
1: Yeah, and I mean, so I should say also in a unique way around how we make decisions too, or maybe not so unique, but um, we actually run on a consensus
0: model. Okay.
1: So that means that everyone has to agree also for for anything to pass. One person can block an item, Mm -hmm. and even if there's several people that are not feeling it, you know, Mm -hmm. have reservations or feel like they Mm -hmm. might stand aside, then if there's enough folks that feel that way then there also isn't consensus right and And a vote wouldn't go through you know so it really does take you know having strong relationships with each other and being able to communicate your ideas i
0: was gonna say to um (laughs) set to sell is that weird to say to sell your ideas that's it right yeah right Um, around conversations and advocacy uh, right
1: yeah and and receive feedback i think that's right. the and biggest be open part right exactly
0: to other people Let there's different deals.
1: perspectives in the room and they're all valuable you know and that's why i personally really like this form of work because i work a lot better collaboratively you know mm-hmm. like i don't assume that i have the best idea you know mm-hmm. what i mean or that my idea is perfect the way that i've conjured mm-hmm. it you know mm-hmm. and so i rely on everyone else's you know understanding to see if is it relatable is it impactful is it meaningful and this you know kind of work system really supports that and encourages that you know
0: again not so, a not a radical idea at yeah. least to my <laughs> mind i mean yeah. i'm sort of steeped in you know 30 plus years of uh, alternative thinking right <laughs> so yeah. um but but really I, I think the point is um it's not far it's not far fetched i already mm-hmm. I already said it, but it's like these systems of cooperation and collaboration mm-hmm. um these models work.
1: They do work, yeah. And I mean, you it depends, know,
0: it depends on what your motivations are.
1: That's true, right? exactly. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: yeah. And I mean, that is a really important point, right? Is like, why are we here? You know, and I think that's a conversation that cannot be overlooked and has to continue to be maintained, to be had, right, Right. because, you know, we we start with these uh, moment in time, you know, where there's a need, and people are coming together around it, you know, Mm -hmm. and then things shift, and it's important to remind ourselves, like, why we're here, you know, because otherwise, we become too rigid, or we form, you know, fall into the, to the space that is given to us to fall, when really the goal is to, like, expand and, Change the way that we're thinking and engaging with each other as society. You know, right. so I mean, even with that, I feel like co-ops are a good tool within, you know, within a set of tools um, because they allow us to have more autonomy and agency in our workspace, um, but to a certain extent, you know, they're still operating within capitalism, you know? So there's more to think about there yes, too, you know, yes, where yes. like potentially maybe they can only take us so far, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and that, and that. but through these um, practices of working within community, having, you know, discussion and dialogue and, you know, Consensus practices, we can work through, you know, where we need to be continuing to aim, you know.
0: Next week on the podcast, we'll hear more from Celia, one of several worker owners at Other Avenues Grocery Cooperative. Please join us next Tuesday for part two. Music for Storied San Francisco was produced, performed, and curated by Otis McDonald. Michelle Kilfeather does original photography for us. Aaron Lim of Bitch Talk Podcast is our contributing producer. And the show is produced and hosted by me, Jeff Hunt. Now in our fifth season, we have more than 200 episodes available on our website, storiedsf.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're able to, please rate and review the show. And drop us a line at storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay strong, weird, and healthy. And we'll see you next time on Storied San Francisco. This podcast is a proud member of the BFF.fm Podcast Network.